Hey, this is Ricky, just letting you know that at about the 25 minute mark, there is some static crackling. Something went wrong during recording. You can still hear us talking, it's just a little bit distracting, so sorry about that. Uh, enjoy! So your story is very different from your normal style. Yes. I'm not sure if mine is super different from mine. Like, I feel like it falls into the wheelhouse of something that I would write. Yeah. But, yeah. There's, it's, there's, there's a lot of detail, which I'm very proud of. That's good. But I also had to force myself not to add more detail. Oh. Yeah. Did you, did you end up doing it like a first chapter? I did. I I feel, yeah, I feel really bad about that. I'm like, I feel like I kind of cheated the system on this one. But it's like, there was so much potential. Like, when we first picked it, I was like, eh, eh, and then I started thinking about it, I was like, oh no. Oh no! Oh wait, wait, wait! I can go somewhere <laughs> yeah. with this. All right. Well, what up, everyone? I am Bren. I am Ricky. Ricky is looking for something. A quarter. We are writers in progress. We yes. have lost our quarter. No, yes. we found the quarter. We also kind of cheated. The we may not have actually done what we were supposed to this week. Yeah. We followed like, the prompt. Followed I will say that every all three are in there. Yes, for mine. yeah, and with mine, I reworked mine so that like they actually play more of an important point. But we definitely wrote them more as first chapters and short stories, which kind of feels like cheating. But it also, just, it just leaves it open ended. You can decide. Well, exactly, and I mean, I feel like this one. I don't know where I would go with this one, but I wouldn't mind revisiting it in the future sometime. Yeah. Let me. Yeah, because I feel like there is enough of a potential there that I could kind of rework it and make a story. So, there's I'm, that. I'm, I'm realizing that whenever I write, it's entirely influenced on what media I've taken in lately. <laughs> so, once I'm done mine, I will explain what has influenced my story. Okay, I want to read mine and then get your opinions on what you think has happened before the story takes place. Because oh. there's hints to it, but it could go one of two ways. Okay. So I have, it's kind of like with your apocalypse story where you're like, there is more to this and I will explain it all after. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with this. Okay. 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 Yes. Flip? Flip. Heads or tails? Tails. Yeah. Tails again. I, okay. <laughs> this is weird. Every week I read. All right. <clears throat> My story is called Disgraced. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Alex stared at the colors stare- laid out in front of him, silently considering them and how the afternoon light played against the glass containing them. His mother smiled, running a hand through his long black hair as he finally pointed out a polish. She handed the bottle to the pharmacist, the man blushing as he met her pale gray eyes. The gods bless you, he stammered, after taking her change, bowing to the boy as he added, and may they keep the little one. I looked, o- looked over his shoulder curiously as they walked outside. Why did he say that? He was just being polite, his mother replied, rolling the dark green polished bottle around in her hand distractedly. But why? It's not like they know who you are. That's the whole point of the glimmer. Humans inherently know. Without realizing it, they always know. It's a leftover from when our kind used to hunt them down for sport. They learned how to sense our presence. She was staring off into the distance, not paying attention to where she walked. But he wasn't scared of you. Alex stopped, making her turn towards him. I wasn't presenting a threat, was I? I suppose not. 
He kicked a rock into a puddle, stopping when it made a satisfying splash. Immediately, he searched for another pebble he could toss into the same place. I know something much more satisfying, an amused voice sang from the corner. Alex looked up with a grin. Aunt Tizzy, he called out, running over to the other woman. She threw her arms open wide, wrapping him in her oversized sweater, spinning around until his laughter filled the damp air. Finally, she held him at arm's length, then knelt down and pulled a pair of bright blue and red polka dot rain boots out of her discarded bag. He looked excitedly back at his mother, who gave him a soft smile and a nod of encouragement. He raced ahead of the two, jumping in every puddle he could find. Tizzy looked intently at Rias once he was out of reach. What's wrong? The pharmacist could sense him. Rias couldn't bear to meet her friend's eyes, keeping her focus on Alex as he attempted to drench himself in a puddle. It won't be long now. He's still so young, Tizzy murmured. When will you tell him? Not tonight. Soon. But tonight at least I'll let him be a child. Alex loved their cottage. With its doorway nearly completely hidden by ivy and the stones that seemed to sing at his touch. The scent of his family filled the small house. Tizzy's strange concoction of herbs and oils, and most importantly, the soft honeyed scent of his mother. He raced in the door and stood impatiently by the mirror until the others joined him. Rias placed a hand on his head, closing her eyes as she lifted his glimmer and her own. At ten, he still wasn't used to the way the changes appeared, how the edges of their bones stretched and stretched longer and sharpened, their ears growing to a defined point. His mother and aunt were all sharp edges, until Tizzy made a face in the mirror and Alex forgot to contemplate how strange it was to be a boy with two faces. Soon the kettle boiled over a fire, and Tizzy set up the table so she could repaint Rhea's chipped black nail polish. Alex watched his mother deftly roll her soft silver hair up into a bun, then locked it in place with a pencil he held out to her. She bumped her forehead against his in thanks, and watched him curl up in an easy chair next to the fire. Tizzy tied a multicolored scarf around her deep red hair to keep the untamed curls out of her eyes as she carefully readied the polish. The knock at the door surprised them all. They froze, each wondering if they had misheard the sound. The second knock was unmistakable, the scent of jasmine seeping under the door. Tizzy, take Alex, Alex outside, Rhea said, her voice cold and certain. Yes, your grace. Tizzy stood up, gathering Alex in his boots and rushing out the back door before the boy could utter a word. Rias waited a breath, another, then walked to the door. Alazar looked just as she remembered him, thick black hair tied back from his face in the way she could never bring herself to tie Alex. His dark green eyes met hers with a mixture of pity and sorrow. You can't have him, she said, ignoring the way he glanced at her worn in clothes and loose hair. Please, Rias. He stepped forward slowly, hands held up in a gesture of peace. His voice was gentle, tinged with pleading. You know there's no choice in this. He's just a child, she whispered, her voice nearly cracking at the thought. There will be no safety for him here, Alzar continued, touching her arm slightly. Lightly. <laughs> they both rose, old memories flooding back. He lifted her arm, brushing a thumb across her mismatched nails. He swallowed heavily. If he does not come back now, then an army will come and you'll both be lost. How can you be so willing to let that monster raise your son? Rhea stepped closer to him, praying to the gods she could reach the man he had once been. Alazar quickly glanced around as if afraid the walls themselves could hear her. He's a child of the court, he said sharply. He will be returned. The back door burst open, another high court guard storming in, holding Elix in one arm and dragging Tizzy by her hair with the other. 
This place reeks of human, the guard spat, looking at Rius with disdain. We can't all smell like the god's damn tea house, can we? Now can we, Mori? Tizzy wrenched herself free, smirking with satisfaction at the way the guard's face contorted at the insult. Don't you dare speak to me, traitor. My place was with the queen. Tizzy pulled herself to her full height, glancing at Rius. My oath remains unbroken. She's undeserving of the title, Mori sneered, turning her glare to Rius. And yet it goes with me to my grave, Rius retorted, giving the guard a disinterested glance to keep herself from staring at her frightened child. I wonder, Mori, who do you blame for the king's disinterest now that I'm gone? Mori moved to put Alex down, her face changing shades as she moved. Enough, Alazar yelled, his movements halting when he saw Alex flinch. He cleared his throat, turning back to Rias. The child comes with us. The king's word stands. At least let me say goodbye. Rias could see the fight go out of Tizzy, uncertainty playing across her face as she watched their little world crumble around them. Rias knelt in front of Alex, wiping the tears from his frightened dark eyes. She pressed her forehead against his and squeezed her eyes shut against the tears she knew threatened to fall. Listen well, my sweet one. She whispered, cupping his face in her hands, memorizing the way his hands felt as they held onto hers. Learn well, and always, always remember our promise. She kissed his forehead, holding him as tightly as she could until Maury grabbed him from her arms. She knelt, frozen, as Maury pressed her silver ring to the doorknob, opening the door to reveal bright sunlight instead of evening rain. Alex screamed for his mother, fighting against the guard to try and reach back through the doorway. A flash of blue and red boots. Then he was gone. Rias clasped her hands together, slowly rocking back and forth as she began to weep. Alizar knelt beside her, closing one of his hands over her own while the other held the back of her neck. I'm sorry, he whispered, pressing his lips to her ear. I swear, by every breath the gods allow me to take, I will keep him safe. Get out of this house, Tizzy spoke, drawing on all her years of court practice to fill her voice with all the authority she could muster. You have disturbed the queen and are no longer welcome here. Alizar didn't argue. In one swift movement, he stepped through the door and closed it. The sunlight immediately disappeared as if someone had simply turned off a light. Tizzy fell to the ground, wrapping her arm around Rias, the both of them wailing into each other's shoulders. Finally, when there were no more tears left to cry, Rias sat back and slowly unclenched her hands. Her palm was imprinted with the design of the silver ring Alizar had slipped between her fingers. Tizzy gasped when she saw the item, a gleam of hope returning to her eyes. They placed the ring against the doorknob, feeling it vibrated as it called to the invisible passageway. The scent of jasmine once again seeped through the door, sunlight spilling through the keyhole. Rias grabbed Tizzy's hand tightly as they opened the door and stepped back into the high fey realm after ten long years. She had promised Alex she would find him, and when the time was right, they would destroy it all. Okay. So you want me to guess what happened beforehand? Yeah. So, she has a kid. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, that was a big no-no. Right? Not exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. So. No, please. Okay. I so I was thinking, thoughts. that happens. Mm -hmm. She gets banished to the human world. Mm-hmm. And is left to raise him until a certain age, until the boy comes of age. Something's going on in the High Fey realm where they need the boy. I don't know what. <laughs> Am I anywhere close? Um, bits and pieces. So, she was the queen of the High Fey court. Mm -hmm. 
but she was one of many queens. Okay. Now, obviously there's only one king, Mm -hmm. and in order to fill his need for children, to have as many heirs as possible, he grants his certain high court guards permission to sleep with certain queens. But the children are his. Not biologically, just by right. By right, yeah, because it's his wife... That's his child. Okay. So Alizar is actually Alex's father. Okay. But, I got that. Yeah, but he's a child of the court, yeah. so he will be raised by the court because that's what they're considered. So okay. they're looked at as the children of the king, even though they're technically not. But because the king is a monster and she's seen the way that he raised his other children, she fled as soon as she found out she was pregnant. Okay. So she's been in hiding since she became pregnant in the human realm. And now that Alex is turning... 10 or 11, his own abilities are starting to appear. So, like, she has to glimmer him. He can't glimmer himself. Mm -hmm. But he's now reaching the age where the humans are able to sense that he is, in fact, a high fae and not human. But they don't really realize why they're sensing it. They just sense it. Yeah. Which means that he is now giving off that sense that he's a high fae, but he doesn't know how to hide it yet. Mm-hmm. So whereas Rias and Tizzy can hide it, they can glimmer and appear normal and no one can tell the difference, when they're with Elix, it becomes more obvious that they themselves are also high fae. Okay. So now, because it's becoming, he's being sensed as high fae, they know that the court guards are going to come and take him back because he belongs to the king. He never should have been taken from the king in the first place. So he's to be taken back to the court and raised as one of the children of the court. Okay. Yeah. And so Mama Bear is going to come and destroy it? Yeah, exactly. The courts? Well, because the thing is, her and Alizar did actually fall in love, which is a Mm -hmm. huge no-no. Yeah. Which is part of the other reason that she's like, I can't let this other monster raise my child when his father is right there and has to pretend that he doesn't exist. Yeah. So, but, and I mean, she probably tried to convince Alizar to go with her, but him being the good soldier, mm-hmm. said, no, 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 I must stay. But he didn't stop her from going. Okay. So in the sense of, like, he understood why she was doing it, mm-hmm. but he couldn't go with her. He, he found a loophole in the system. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But then, I don't know, I don't really have plot from there, but I do picture it being like several years later that they meet again where like she's had to gather an army or like she's trying to figure out what she can do because it's not like she can just storm and be like excuse me I'm one of the queens I want my kid back she needs to like actually have a plan of what she's gonna do Mm -hmm. um and in the meantime Elix has been raised as a son of the court Mm -hmm. as a prince and so when you kind of you meet him again he's very like snobby yeah. and yeah just like this terrible person and you're like gross what happened to the kid yeah like this kid that was excited about puddles and everything and then you slowly start basically the whole premise is like has he actually been turned or is he hiding it and like biding his time because his mother has promised him that one day they'll go back and destroy it all so that they can live in peace okay mm-hmm. so he's like a low-key potential double agent exactly yeah okay okay i like it It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot shorter, too, and I was like, oh, I need to go back and, like, fill this in. And then I thought of Tizzy, and I was like, this solves everything. (laughs) And she, in my head, 
she always makes me think of that one girl in the Potato Peel Pie Society. Um, the one... The, the redhead one? Yeah, the one that, like, From makes IT her... Girl. Yeah, who yeah. makes her own brews and, like, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And she's just, like, weird, but kind in, like, the a, best way. Yeah. Yeah, she's very eccentric and eclectic. Yeah, yeah. that's what, she, what okay. Tizzy makes me think of. And is Tizzy one of the queens as well? Tizzy was her handmaiden. Okay. So... That's why she's like, my oath is to the queen and I haven't broken it. Because yeah. my oath is to follow the queen wherever she goes. Okay. I did that. But they're also really close because that's your handmaiden. This is the person who knows you better than anyone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's why Alex calls her Aunt Tizzy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That was good. I like that. Thank you. Shall I? Yes, please. Okay. Let's just pull it up. So it's just called Puddle Boots. Oh my god. Because again, no title. Um, Okay. So it had been a quiet evening, the first one in a while. Gora had brought in the sheep for for the storm and covered over what vegetables couldn't handle the sudden downpour. After that, there wasn't much she could do until tomorrow, when things had begun to dry out. Just as well. It gave her time to clean up before her sister Hazel came back from her trip. After a quick vacuum and finishing off the dishes, she settled on the couch with the dog laying at her feet. Turning on the TV, she pulled out her usual bottle of red nail polish. It never lasted long, but it made her happy to just sit and do something for herself. She was only three nails into her second coat when thunder cracked and the lights went out. She sat still, waiting for the power to come back on, knowing full well it would take at least an hour. After a moment of forgotten wishful thinking, she stood up to find her flashlight. Before she could step away from the couch, the dog jolted up with a deep, throaty bark. Startling her, she let the bottle of nail polish slip out of her hand. Tilly! she scolded, but with no notice. It was barking rhythmically at the front door. Cora made her way to the kitchen, feeling her way along the counters, until she found the corner covered with the flashlight. She beamed it at the dog, who was leaning to the door in a offensive position. That'll do. She gave the command, until he partially listened, by laying down, but didn't move from her spot, eyes still fixed on the door. Cora shone her light out from the kitchen window, revealing nothing but a soaked front porch. She scooted the dog away enough to open the door. There's nothing there. As soon as there was enough room, the dog bolted. Hold! She commanded, but she was already halfway to the forest, with no mind of slowing down. She let out an exasperated get her own, throwing her rubber boots on before charging out into the storm herself. There was little coverage from the rain in the trees. She stayed just off the path to stay under their canopy, but close enough to still keep a light on the trail of muddy paw prints. Another flash of lightning blinded her with thunder, rattling her chest. She stumbled forward blindly until she heard the splash of her boots hit water. Cora stood, blinking rapidly until her eyes adjusted. A puddle now the size of a pond blocked her from her path. She shone it across to the other side. The water reflected silver rings where the water trailed off the trees. She crouched beside it, watching it flicker and ripple, through, looking almost like mercury. She could hear the sound of Tilly racing around the forest. Tilly! she called. Hearing it, get, hearing it get closer until she could see her with the flashlight coming a little too fast. Take time, 
She commanded, but it was too late. The dog swooped at her, herding her into the puddle. Cora gasped, the silty water soaking through her clothes she could, so she could feel its grit on her skin. Tilly waited beside her with a panting smile. What is with you today? The dog nudged at her with her nose. Just give me a second. Cora fished the flashlight out of the water. Dead. Great. Can you at least guide us home? She gave the dog a reluctant pet on the top of her head before picking herself up and out. She stripped off her hoodie, wringing it out and using it to mop up what she could of the grime. She stopped, searching around. Her eyes had adjusted to the dark, but she couldn't find the path. She waded along the edge of the water where she had fallen in, and there was nothing. Another flash of lightning gave her enough of a glimpse to see the floor was covered completely with ferns and shrubs, no pathway between them. She told herself she must have rolled around in the water when she got pushed in, that it was on the, that it was on a different side of the water, but no matter where she went, it was only forced. Tilly, the dog came to her side. Find. She gave the command to look for a missing sheep and hoped she would find a trail, but she knew in the rain there would be no scent. Tilly waited around her expectantly. All right, let's go. Cora emptied out her boots and walked into the shrubs, all the while scolding her dog, but only lightly. She knew that the main reason was just so she could keep her mind occupied. And when I say hold, I mean hold till- Cora. She jumped, letting out a stifled groan. Hearing it was Jack, she let out a sharp sigh. You startled me. What are you doing here? He took a step closer, and Cora found his silhouette in the dark. Well, the power went out. The dog was barking at the door. I opened it. She bolted. She wouldn't listen to my commands. I ran after her. She pushed me into a puddle, and now... She trailed off, hating and admitting this to him. I can't find the path. Here. She could make out his arm offered out to her. I'm good following. I don't need to be pulled along. He dropped his arm. Very well. What are you doing out here? She trailed after him as he moved decisively through the woods. I could hear Tilly barking and you calling after her. With the storm, I went to make sure everything was alright. I guess it's good I came to check. Cora glowered at him, knowing even if he did turn back, he wouldn't be able to tell. He always annoyed her since they were teenagers. He turned into such a cocky guy once he discovered he could charm people. Granted, he was a hard worker at his family farm, but it was like he does it only for the bragging rights. He didn't hear his brother or sister boasting about how... Working the fields makes them so strong, or how much calculation you have to do when seeding and harvesting in the fields, and she knew, and harvesting the fields, and she knew he would go off about how he had to show her the path, and how he could do it so easily in the dark, even without a light. Here. Jack stopped at the edge of the forest she hadn't realized they'd come to. The power was still off in the house, making it look eerie in the dark. Thanks for showing me the path. Not that she paid any mind to the path itself. Good night, then. See you around. She marched off to her front door, feeling him watch her until she reached the door. As soon as she did, she heard him rustle back into the bushes. She grabbed at the handle of the door, but it didn't budge. She knew she didn't lock it on the, her way out. There was no time. She leaned against it, and still nothing. She ran to the back door. Same thing. She went back to the front door, scouring the porch for the flower pot that she keeps the key hidden under, but she couldn't find it. 
The storm must have moved it out of place. She plopped onto the porch, letting the rain wash away the silt. Tilly lay down next to her, leeching her warmth. She sat arguing to herself until the dog nestled into her further. All right, she groaned. Jack, she called out half-heartedly. After a couple seconds with no response, she rolled her eyes at her own pride. Jack, she called out again, this time at full volume. No response. She scratched at her head in frustration. This is dumb. Tilly shook off the water in her coat. I'm sorry, girl, but I think we might have to spend the night with the sheep at this rate. You called. Cora jumped, letting out another involuntary gasp. Can you not? Did you not call me? You walked up the porch steps. Yes, I... Somehow locked the door without a key, and I can't find this bear. I always leave it under the flower pot, but I can't find it in the storm. Jack said nothing, stepping forward to the door and retrieving a key from on top of the doorframe. He held it out to her. But I... Are you feeling all right, Cora? Yes. She snatched it from his hand. I'm fine. Thank you. Good night. She hurried to open the door until he immediately snuck in. She turned to close the door, but Jack fell in sync behind her. I... She started to protest his entering, but thought the least she could do after his help was reluctantly let him stay for a bit and warm up. Then he at least couldn't hold it against her. I can grab you some dry clothes if you'd like. Sure. Thank you. She scuttled off to the spare room, where she kept all of her parents' old stuff. Feeling around for the box, she found the pile of her dad's old work clothes. She pulled out the whole lot, not knowing what would actually fit him. She could hear Jack rummaging around the kitchen as she walked through the hall. Need something? Light filled the room as she turned the corner. I found what I needed. Oh, shoot! Cora traded the clothes for the flashlight. She ran to the living room, searching the floor. There was no stain. She shone it all around. The couch was in the wrong spot. She walked over to it and still no stain. She backed up entirely until she could use the flashlight to scan the whole room. This isn't right. What's not right? The, the living room, the nail polish. I spilled nail polish and it's not there. It, there's not even a stain in the forest. And Jack spun her around, reaching for her forehead. Excuse you? She swatted him away. I'm checking for a fever. I'm not sick. Something is wrong, Jack. I think you should stay with someone tonight. No. Cora composed herself, hearing how she sounded. You're right. Maybe I'm just out of sorts from chasing around Tilly in the rain. I'm fine. Jack gave no response. I'll just go to bed and Hazel will be here tomorrow, so even if I am sick, someone will be there. Cora. Jack's tone suddenly turned solemn. Yeah? Cora, Hazel's been gone since we were kids. <laughs> End it there. Well, I Wait, told did, you. It's back. It's Are back. You sure? Yeah. Okay. It's red. Okay. It's back. How do you? Oh my god. Woman, you and your bloody cliffhangers. This is what I mean. Where I was like, oh no, oh no, I have a like developing a whole story. There's no plot, but there's a story. Is it bad that like as you started describing Jack, and I was just, and she's like. Hate him ever since he turned fifteen and became a dick. I'm like, <laughs> love interest. Yeah, but hey, shit, bitch. This is where what I've been watching lately. Oh, what are you watching? Me. So, I was watching Clarkson's Farm on Amazon. Okay. Like Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear has a farm. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 
It's good. It's cussy. I, I heard something very different, and I was like, sure. I'm just going to smile and nod and pretend I know what you're talking about. So we were watching Clarkson's Farm, where he ends up having sheep. Mm, and mm-hmm. there was all these sheep dogs, and mm-hmm. it was really cute. So I'd... Except for in the show, she just uses whistle tones. Hmm. Which I thought was really cool, but I had mm-hmm. to give actual word commands and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, she did a low whistle. She did a high whistle. Yeah. She did a medium tone whistle. Yeah, it was two like... notes. How do you... No. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, I just watched Pride and Prejudice and Emma. Mm-hmm. So there's where the, the love interest thing mm-hmm. came in. The, Ugh, I can't stand him. Yeah. <laughs> and if I were to develop this further... So Jordan's been listening to this audiobook where it's it's like a fantasy epic. Right. So it's what 15 books long. Mm-hmm. Good lord. Yeah, the author actually died before he finished the series. What's the series? Uh, Wheel of Time. Okay. And it was... Who's the author? I don't know. Okay. Someone else had to actually finish the books. Mm. There's a few like that. Yeah. That's like the Terry Pratchett books. Yeah, where it's just like... It's like Discworld. <laughs> and he wrote a bunch of them, and then it's just like... Died. But I think there's other people that have kind of taken it up. Because I know like yeah. Neil Gaiman and him are really good friends. Yeah, and like I was talking to Jordan about this... The series, when he was telling me about mm-hmm. it, the series that he's listening to, and I guess the writer's, the author's wife, took a bunch of notes. Mm, that's right. So that she knew how it was going to end, and basically... That's good. ...passed it on. So it stuck Everything to the story. Everything you do eventually has to lead to this ending. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. Pretty much. So if I were to continue the story, I was like, I just want, like, this fantasy epic. epic. <laughs> I've never written one. I don't have any... I have no plot. And so basically she just falls into an alternate universe when she gets yeah. pushed into the puddle. I, 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 the silver rings part, I kind of... You stretched that I a little. I stretched it. You stretched it a little. It did make me giggle, though, when you were like, it reflected like a mercury, yeah. and the raindrops falling off the leaves form silver rings, and I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is, yeah. Yeah, you do have all three of them, though. I like yeah. how much of a important plot point the nail polish actually was. I, I wanted to make the boots more prominent, but I, I couldn't do it. I, I just wanted to Jack to make a comment about her boots, because mm. he'd never seen rubber boots before. Oh, and but she's but, like, what the hell? Yeah, but because it was dark out and they didn't have a light, yeah. I was like, eh, I How can't really do, do that. that. Yeah. yeah. kind of world doesn't have rubber boots? Because <laughs> I was like, if it was more... If it was set in, like, Jane Austen, mm-hmm. right, that, that era, but with modern or advanced technology. Mm-hmm. Not steampunk. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you would call that. But. Yeah. Where it's still it's very... It's very AU. Yeah. Alternate universe. Very yeah. alternate universe. So yeah. There you go. That? Oh, that was pretty good. I would definitely read more of that. Definitely read read more about Jack. Yeah. I like Jack. Yeah. I don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. He's like, he's so patient. That's my favorite part. Yeah. She's just like, I hate this guy. He sucks. He's the first person in the world. And he's like, here you go. Here's help. Yeah. Have fun. Well, I wanted to have it where, like, in the original world, he's just a the worst. Dick. Yeah. Yeah. And then in this world, he's, like, actually okay. Like, he's, oh, he still has his... No, I'm just thinking about she goes home. Like, she kind of falls for this Jack and then goes home and sees the other one. And she's, like, so conflicted. Yes. Because it's like, I like you. But not you! And that I was going to have... If I were to develop this, I was thinking the same oh, thing. Oh, so good. And then I wanted to have it where it's like, 
did he go through some trauma or something that made him smarten up? And it's just, no, he's just, he's just a dick in the original. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, there's this book I read. I think I actually own it, but I've only read it once. I think it's called like The Waterfall or something. But basically the premise is this kid... There's all this stuff that's going on. It's like a small town. Um, but he ends up like going over a waterfall somehow. Like someone attacks him and they're trying to kill him or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. like comes out of nowhere. And he goes over this waterfall. And when he wakes up in the hospital... Like everything seems normal. But then he ends up discovering that he's in an alternate universe. Oh, okay. Where instead of his big brother being like... the awesome like jock in school he's dating the cheerleader like everything's awesome his brother's disabled oh and like bedridden and he has become the awesome jock who's dating the cheerleader and then he like is going through his room because he's freaking out because he's like this is not me what happened and it's like his best friend who he's secretly in love with despises him because the two of them haven't talked in years because he ditched her for like the cool crowd and he has like a gun and he's been running like drugs and and alcohol and like stealing from his girlfriend's like distributor like her father's a bre- owns a brewery Gosh. and he's like freaking out and then at the end of the book cuz he tries to like make things right he kind of like breaks up with the hot chick cuz it's like in his world He's secretly in love with his best friend, but he's like, well, that's never going to happen. So he kind of, like, drools over the hot girl, but his brother's dating her, and he's just like, oh, God, like, that must be so cool. And then he's with her, and he's like, you kind of (laughs) suck. Like, you're you're terrible. I don't like you. And he, like, tries to patch things up with his best friend, and it's so funny because he, like, at one point he goes to talk to her, and she's like, why the hell are you here? (laughs) Like, you're freaking me out. Go away. Leave me alone. And he's like, but, but, no, my friend, come back. But then the end of the book... I think it's, like, something... I can't remember how it happens, but it's, like, he goes home because he's freaking out. He's having, like, a mental breakdown. He doesn't want to live this life. He wants to go back to his life where everything is right. Um, And he goes back to the house, and he's there. Oh, like like that world. Yeah, that world's version of him. and And that world's version is, like, so you're the one that's been screwing everything up. I should have figured it would be you because you're too much of a wimp to actually do the proper thing. But how does he know anything? I think it's because he's the one who tried to kill him in the other world. I believe that's how it works. So it's oh. like he's figured out how to jump between the two. Why, why though? I don't know. But it's just because that the other world's version of him is a dick. Yeah. It's kind of like very well established. And so the nice version of him is like, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this. I don't like any of this. I'm very uncomfortable right now. Um, but yeah, and then I think the book basically ends on, like, a cliffhanger where it's, like, they go over the falls again, and only one of them comes out, but you're not quite sure which one it is, and I think that's how the book ends. Huh. But it was interesting kind of seeing it as, like, this person seeing himself get everything that he wanted, and then realizing how much he doesn't want that. Yeah. And then to also have it be that version where, like, that world's version of him still exists. Where it's not like he's just taken over his life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, which is kind of interesting. And I feel like... There's a part of me that's saying that in his version, in his world, his brother had died or something. Which hmm. kind of, like, kicked everything off. And so then, when he wakes up in the hospital, he mentions something about his brother. And his mom's like, what are you talking about? Like, your brother's at home. Like, it's okay. 
you know, because he's like, I didn't mean to put all this extra stress on you with everything that's going on. And she's like, your brother's fine. And he gets home and he's like all excited because, oh my God, his big brother's there. And he goes in and his brother's like bedridden with like valves and tubes oh, coming yeah. out of him. And he's like, this is not my That's not my brother. What the hell? Yeah. But it's because of like a childhood accident where it's like in his world, they went down this tube together. Oh, no, in his world, they didn't. His brother really wanted to, and he was too chicken, so his brother said, okay, fine, we won't do it. Mm-hmm. In the other world, they did, and the raft flipped, oh. and it broke his brother's neck. Okay. Yeah, I think that's how it worked. But yeah, it was a very interesting book. Like, it was cleverly done, where there was, like, just enough subtle changes, and then it just, like, got bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and the poor kid is just, like, freaking out the whole time. I would, It would make, like, a cool movie, honestly. Yeah, with the right director. Yeah, with the right director. Where it's not so in your face. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, it's the building of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like you did the same thing. Where it's like, oh, she can't find the path. Okay, well, something's wrong. You know, obviously it's dark out. That's why she can't. Yeah. Okay, it's her house. The flower pot's gone. <laughs> You're like, it must have moved in the storm. And I'm like, storms don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tried to make it just ever so slightly bit. starts to build up until suddenly it's like. This is not my living room! What I don't know is, like, the dog freaks out. Yeah. Because it knows, like, it can kind of smell or sense the other world, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure what it is that'll set it off. What Mm -hmm. it would be that sets the dog off. Like, if it can smell her, Mm -hmm. just other world her, or what? Or you could have it that it's, it smells the other world building. Yeah. Because it would be, like, completely different. Yeah. A completely different smell. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, based. if it's the other world is appearing because of the rain, then it's as the puddle gets to the size that it can now become that portal, then it starts to, you start to get the other smells. Yeah. And that's when the dog's like, I don't like it. I need to and go. I, I need need to want to know. So then, is it actually her dog that finds her? Yes. Okay. They, so the dog goes pushes her. her in. Oh, okay. So I thought it was like it together. bumped her and then just like stood there and she disappears <laughs> and then another version of the dog is like, oh good, you're here. No, because it like, it herds her in right. and so it runs in with, with her. her. Yeah. Because, yeah. Border collies. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love them, but lordy, they can be stupid. In the best way possible. Well, that was good. Very different this time. Yeah, for both of us. Well, like, like, yours is still very much your style, just, yeah. like, for the short stories, it was, it was very different for yeah. you, I feel. Well, and also, in my case, kind of influenced by what I was reading, because I was reading a book that had, like, high fate in it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I, we had just talked about that book that you were talking about with the high fate. Yeah, like, well, and this was, like, the sequel series start. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I just finished that. Um, plus I kind of said something when we were coming up with this where I was like, yeah. ooh, fairies are allergic to iron, yeah. what if I made it silver? And then I was like, okay, that's stupid. But I do have a thing with the fairies, though. Yeah. I can work with that. Because, yeah. yeah, rings as portals. Always classic. It's like a fantasy go-to. You Pretty just, much. You it's like to. you need to have a way to get through the door. Uh, make the ring a portal. <laughs> Magic. Yay. Cool. Forget. But I like how, because last time ours ended up being fairly close within the same genre. Yes. Of, like, spooky, off-putting. Yeah. Something's wrong here, danger, Will Robinson kind of thing. So it was yeah. cool seeing, like, much more of a different 
branching from the same prompt. Like, still, still portals. Yeah, still portals. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Because it's like, you think silver rings, you just think, like, oh, some dude is wearing a silver ring or something yeah. like that. But, but that's so basic. Yeah. And so boring. At least with a portal, you can do different things where it's like, are you going fantasy or are you going sci-fi? Yeah. Or, like, what direction? Like, portals give you a lot more opportunity because mm-hmm. it's where does the portal lead. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we're, we're very proud of ourselves now. All right. Well, on that note, I am Bryn. I am Ricky. We are Writers in Progress, and this was actually successful. Yay! Yay. <laughs>